We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the Podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-holes! What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's Journey into Comics 238. I am your host, Nate. Hope you're doing fantastic on this Monday morning or whenever in time and space you are listening to this. Guys, I'm back. I'm really here. This is not a dream. Maybe last week you were in a trance. You maybe heard some different voices on the feed here. You might have heard Sarah and Veronica doing an episode of Journey into Comics that was quite spectacular. Feast of Fools, episode 237. You should definitely check it out. Definitely want to give kudos to both of them for knocking out a stellar episode. They covered a lot of ground. Talked about a lot of things that don't typically get talked about on this feed or on this network or on this show specifically. You know, so it was a really cool, refreshing thing. I love doing the Fools Week thing. You know, credit where credit is due. It's one of the ideas that uh, Sarah threw into the air and we spitballed into what it became because initially it was kind of like the idea of like pod swap, like almost like wife swap or whatever because that show or whatever, it's funny. And uh, it was like, why don't we do with shows? It'd be different. But then it was like, okay, well, when is there like a, a reason to implement this? And... The end result was 2018. We did the first ever Fool's Week, and it was a success. This year, we did the second ever Fool's Week, and it was also a great success. It was really cool because we get to, uh, you know, what I do is I put all the names in the cup. We draw on all the different names and the different shows and decide who's going where and what order a name and then a show coincide. As long as you aren't the host of the show already, you get stuck where you're stuck, and um. It's really interesting how this year worked out. There were some pairings that happened last year, people being on shows they'd never hosted before, people getting an opportunity to do shows that they've never had an opportunity to do before. It was just like all in all a really fun experience. You got to hear a lot of different voices and characters from the network uh, doing different things you don't typically hear. So if you haven't yet went back and go listen to the entire week of Fool's Week, it is filled with... So many fun moments, so many interesting uh, appearances and surprises and, and just different different experiences within podcasting that I think are really cool. And, you know, the, the real reason I love doing it is because it gives everybody a chance to take a break. Like, I didn't do a podcast at all for a week. That is unbelievable for me. I was off for a week from podcasting. You know, last Sunday was the last time I was doing anything, and I did two last Sunday. But then since then, I haven't done any. I've done a lot of other stuff. But uh, not that. So it was like April Fools happened, and that was Monday. We started the Fools Week thing, and you know Tuesday rolls through Wednesday. Thursday I had to go down to Hoopston, visit my pops, 
see him. I had to get uh, some work done on my truck. He had ordered a new uh, a new handle, the one that broke at Fun for Funds that Tyler temporarily fixed for us. Uh, we finally replaced it with a metal handle instead of a plastic POS, which was more difficult than you would expect. It was harder to find one of those pieces in metal. Most, for the most part, are all plastic uh, for the handle for the tailgate. So Dad and I had to replace that. We worked on the tail light because I've got a fucked up tail light situation going on with a turn signal and it's like a truck problem so we did that we fucking handled that smashed that out and whatnot and hung out spent a lot of good time together it was really cool because i also got to go visit my sister uh sam and i don't really get to like hang out with her for a long time uh like in in like great lengths because she is a mom and they're always on the go they're always doing something and i'm not always home so um she was like, hey, we should have dinner. You know, you're in town. You can bring dinner over to me and Sawyer, and we'll all hang out. And I was like, fucking cool. I'll come visit my little nephew. That's fun. So went over there, and it was just, it was, it was a normal cool time. But I, I mainly brought this up because uh, when I left the house, it was, like, kind of overcast, but still bright out. And it was, like, 545, 6-ish. So I had my shades on, and I didn't think I was like, okay, so let me backpedal because I didn't fully explain this to you guys. So... My dad had called when I got to into town, and he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna want some food. Your sister's gonna want some food, and I know you're gonna be hungry. So you're gonna, cause I, cause my dad, my dad was at work. So he's like, "Hey, swing by, pick up my card, go get us all some food, drop my food off, and then you and your sister can get some chill time, cause you and her had already made that plan." And I was like, "Oh, that's fuck. That works out great. That's cool. Fucking excellent. You know, thank you. That's awesome." So we have Hoopston Dairy Queen, which is a different experience, and that's whatever. So anyways, when I go to leave for Dairy Queen to get the food, I have my shades on. And I thought, oh, it's overcast, so it's going to be bright to the point where it's in that range where it could trigger me to have a migraine. So I'm like trying to be always thought forward, always thought forward. Don't get the migraine, you know. And uh, so I go pick up the food at Dairy Queen and leave there. And I turn and I go to my sister's house and I go inside. And I, that's when I realize I'm like, fuck, I didn't bring my regular glasses. So now I'm going to have to be in my sister's house, either blind or looking like the cool kid with shades on, wearing my sunglasses at night. So it, it was a goofy experience all in all. But it was, you know, it was, it was good to catch up with her and to chat. And we had a lot of good heart-to-heart and, and spent some time with my little nephew. And he's fucking hysterical and what have you. So that was cool. Um, like I said, dad and I was, we were working on that truck and whatnot. And then, uh, Friday we hung out a bit, had some lunch. He was getting ready to leave for work. I had to get ready to come back home. Came back home on Friday, hung out for a bit, uh, watched NXT. You guys will be hearing the journey into wrestling episode covering WrestleMania weekend coming up this Wednesday. So stick around right here on the journey into comics network where every Wednesday you, or every other Wednesday, I'm sorry, you get, uh, Journey into Wrestling, well, for the next two Wednesdays, you get Journey into Wrestling, because in two Wednesdays, three Wednesdays from now, really, is the finale of that show, so, or the, that season, so, uh, yeah, anyways, back to it, you know, so we're uh, Friday, hanging out, watch some NXT and whatnot, and then I gotta go down to Lowell to pick up V, she's off work late, we get back to the house, hang out for a bit, uh, Sabrina is now back on Netflix, which is fucking cool, so... Saturday, we had to get up and get ourselves together for WrestleMania for the show that we had been hyping and building for 
for the past pretty much two months. It's been like a really, really big, long campaign. Lots of stuff had happened. I went mega heel. Again, stuff that you'll definitely be hearing on Journey into Wrestling because I can more dive into why I did the things I did in psychology and whatnot in wrestling talk than bore you guys here on Journey into Comics. So anyways, all in all to say that we took our time getting down to to, to Indianapolis and we got to the Mel and we were just like, Ripe with anticipation, you know. The other bands got there. The crowd was lightning hot. And uh, it was a great show. It was amazing because everybody was spotlighting my name. Like, everyone called me out. I loved it. I love being the heel. It's so much fun. Anyways, so we played and we kicked so much ass. Uh, We didn't walk away with the title and there's a lot of, like, controversy. I'm not one to make excuses because... If we would have lost fair and square, I would go, okay, totally. And I'm not, I'm also not one to be like, oh, we're the hottest shit in the world because we're the hottest. Like, I just listen to what other people say and how people react to me is how I feel things go, you know? I'm, I try not to, to oversell my own shit. So we played an amazing misfit set as we always do. It's what we're known for. It's what we tried to always accomplish is playing those songs with as much respect and love as possible to really showcase them as best we can. But we decided to do something a little bit different, and I'd been teasing and hyping it and whatnot for a while. I'm going to talk about it here. Maybe I shouldn't talk about it, but whatever. We debuted a new project last night. Maybe somewhere down the road you'll see it again. Who knows? But last night was the birth and possible creation of uh, Tenacious Keys. Uh, we did some Tenacious D-tunes. I got to sing three of my favorites uh, live to a crowd and in such a way that was really, we were just connected. It was so fucking cool. It really was. We closed the show with Tribute, which is obviously the most well-known Tenacious D-Tune of all time. The whole crowd was singing and going crazy. It was, you can see that on Facebook, just there's video. It's easy to find. But, you know, it was, all in all, it was really good. What was more cool to me than the the anything else like the, the takeaway it doesn't matter about the belt or what any of that shit like here are the things that made me so happy like genuinely heartfelt happy so like charlie from delta queen came out and saw our show he didn't have to he didn't even tell me he was coming he just showed up he was like hey what's up bud figured i'd come out and support you guys amazing and then he fucking was like oh amazing set as always man at the end of the night you know it was really cool and then uh, we had the network's own dave linder and Dick Tyner from Podcastrophy, and Dave Linder, obviously, from Dungeons with Dudes, uh, came to Indianapolis to see us perform, and I guess they had a extravaganza. I'm sure you're going to hear about it on Tuesday's live feed of Podcastrophy, which you get on Facebook at facebook.com backslash podcastrophypod. Or Thursday, you'll be listening to it either here or on the Podcastrophy feed. So, you know, it was really fucking amazing to have those guys there and like really it just warmed my heart that they came and they're my dudes and it was you know this like cool bonding moment where we're really all together in unison and then new fucking awesome bestie is emerging as one of the cool people that I fucking love is Alex Buckles and mad shout out to him because he brought it it was so cool he had made different fucking signs that people were holding up that said like if walk among us loses we riot walk w-a-u 316 and then like walk among us logo looking thing like nwo was really fucking cool i loved it 
and uh, they were chanting. So we played, and then we got a holy shit chant, and, and that, that was awesome chant. And, like, it was fucking so much fun. That made the night. Like, take away everything else, it doesn't matter. Like, musically speaking, we know we were the, the bomb.com. Arguably, the next best thing was Three Cities, musically speaking. I'm just being real. You know, um, I'm not taking anything away from the other bands. Like, I also love Filth and Majesty. I love Filth and Majesty for a different reason, though, because they are um, they're true punk rockers, and I fucking love their style and their sound and their energy, and, like, they're wrestling fans, so we had, like, this this extra special chemistry together. It's really a bummer that uh, the thing went down the way it went down because Ninth Circle Symphony wins at the end of the night. And the thing that gets me, and this is me blowing up a spotlight on something, because this is the truth. This is not me trying to like air grievances or whatever, but this is exactly how it went down. So I'm friends with the owner of the Melody Inn, Greg Brenner or whatever. He's the guy that runs Melody Inn or whatever. And... Um, all week on his Facebook, he's posting, Nine Circle Symphony's gonna win, hashtag brick fight. Nine Circle Symphony's the winner, guaranteed, brick fight. I'm like, man, he's really blowing up Nine Circle Symphony, putting mad support behind him. That's crazy. Like, I guess they're friends, whatever. Okay, so they're friends, cool. So, I'm just like, this is fucking dumb. So, we get to the show, we play, the thing is over, there's a kayfabe ending, a fake ending. Rich says that Filth and Majesty won. The reveal is that they bribed Rich, quote-unquote. The bribe is revealed. You know, uh, there's the call-out for the bribe. And then uh, they're like, we're going to decide differently. And then Rich said, I want these two gentlemen to decide, one of which is the owner of the fucking Mel, this Greg guy who'd been saying all week that Ninth Circle Symphony is going to win. So they put it in his hands. And he selected Nine Circle Symphony. And here is some more, a little nugget of behind the scenes. So here's the truth. Rich whispers in my ear. He's like, I don't know what the fuck happened. I said, you guys were the clear winner. So I don't know why they didn't hear me at all and chose Nine Circle. So it is wrestling-esque that the fix was in. I guess this is the fucking Indianapolis screw job. Ooh. Gonna have to run with that. Maybe I'll cut a promo on the fucking page tonight and blow everybody's minds. That would be amazing. Anyways, so that was still a lot of fun. And then ultimately that ended with us having a super late night last night, which cascades into why you guys are probably listening to this a little bit later than you expected, unless you are an early to bed, early riser, in which case you're probably going to get this episode at like six in the morning and you're going to be like, oh, Nate. good, Nate didn't let me down. He actually did an episode. Fuck yeah, like... If you happen to be listening at like 12 o'clock at night when the episode typically drops, you're going, where the fuck did you go, Nate? What is happening? Like, I don't, I don't like it, you know? Well, here's why. We got home at like 5.45 in the morning, unload the truck, finally get to sleep. I didn't wake up till like almost one. Oops. Wake up. I'm just like barely there, you know? Like, I'm like, my body's not not fully responding to being existing because we've just played this fucking high impact, high energy show. And it was so fucking powerful is the word, you know? Uh, so I uh, was like, well, today's Sunday. 
It's WrestleMania Sunday. I'm going to watch the show again, talk about that on Wednesday, but I, I had to watch the Hall of Fame and then WrestleMania, so I have to like cram all the wrestling in while I'm just chilling, and I didn't like wake up early and start doing this, so I had like wiggle room time. So now I'm doing this. I had not yet edited Best of the Week for Fool's Week, so I had to also put that together while watching the Hall of Fame, and then finally getting that up right when WrestleMania started. Like I finally got it uploaded, and then... WrestleMania gets going, and I had all day I just vegged out and watched it just to try to like zen my shit out and feel better and more relaxed because I was just beat from our weekend. It's what happens when you play fucking the best music you can. So, we, uh, I've watched all the wrestling, and wrestling got over at 11 o'clock, and I was like, fuck, I have to like prepare my show for Journey into Comics and stuff. It actually got over at like 11.22 or some shit. Like, it was late. It went over a little bit. So, you know, whatever. That It happens. So, here I am. It's late. You guys are not getting this when you're supposed to. There's news to cover. Lots of it. There's not a lot of reason to bullshit today. Like, you've kind of caught up on what I've been doing. I did it in hopefully a really brief amount of time. There is a lot of news to cover. We're going to just get right into that right now. So Joe Russo of the Russo Brothers thinks that Stanley's final cameo is going to be an endgame and not in Far From Home. He says, and I quote, I believe that his final cameo is an endgame. I don't remember if he was well enough to do the cameo in Far From Home. But it was incredible to work with him. I grew up on his comic book. Stanley was an idol of mine as a kid. To be able to have the opportunity to not only work under the material he created, but to work with him as a childhood dream come true. So, Joe Russo claiming that uh, brought me to another interesting thing that I saw. I want to talk about that really quick because apparently the X-Men Dark Phoenix movie does not have a Stanley cameo either. Uh, Simon Kinberg revealing that we don't have a cameo. I'd rather say that than keep it mysterious out of respect for Stan. We do have some tribute to him. It's something that obviously we weren't thinking about when we were making the movie because he was still very much alive. And he's been such a huge part of making these films over the years. He has had cameos. He's had input into the process of making them. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, if there's not going to be one in Dark Phoenix, and there's going to be one in Endgame, well, what, what's the official word? So let's see, there was some official, official... Uh, information Joe Russo finally came out and said, Joe Russo saying this was... Stanley's final cameo that was committed to film. Uh, it was always, again, I grew up as a Marvel fanatic and watching Spider-Man cartoon shows as a kid with his voice in it. I think anything that affects you as a child really affects you as an adult, sticks with you. So when he would come out on set, we'd hear his voice. It's sort of a uh, Pavlonian in a way where you just become a child again. The whole crew would be like that. People were always, all these movie stars on set every day and then Stan would show up and it would just, it was just like people were just kids all over again. So uh, it says that there's no way the fans could possibly predict Stanley's cameo or outcome of Endgame, according to the duo. Briefly also touching on this, they say we spent months and months and months thinking about all the possibilities. So there are lots of ideas that we run down that are nothing like what the movie ends up being. It's just a part of the process. There's so many different places you can go with a narrative that sometimes some of them get somewhat close but nothing ever gets exactly what the movie is just because there's a level of detail in the movie that goes way beyond. Most theories you read online, they take three or four sentences to convey. The movie is a very dense document. Uh, 
So I'm looking forward for, to Endgame, and I tell you, there's a lot of people looking forward to Endgame. So much so that there was a new trailer released along with the official announcement that tickets went on sale this week, folks. So we're going to watch the trailer react as we've been doing. Here we go. So many dope moments. You trust me. I do. You could not live with your own friends. Where did that bring you? Back to me. Oh, I cannot. Okay. So, tickets on sale now. Yeah, obviously tickets are on sale now, and they say that. So, we're gonna go back to it here in a second and uh, really dive into some of the things that we see in this trailer because there's a lot going on. Uh, if we do this, we'd be going. So it starts with they're in Avengers Tower. You see Banner talking to the Avengers. Uh, it's Thor. Thor was drinking some Laquah. Apparently they like lemon, lemon flavored, flavored lemon, lemon flavored water that doesn't taste like lemon, whatever. But doesn't matter. Uh, back to that. Um, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. Then we've got uh, the scene here with uh, Black Widow saying that you know uh, that they. She's essentially like it looks like self-reflecting. And just like, I, I, again, they're doing the whole overdub thing where her voice is not coming from this moment. So we don't know what's really going on with that rain scene or what she's thinking. It's not about how so here's an interesting shot that they they show and they give up in the trailer. A, a Guardians of the Galaxy reunion as Nebula reunites with Rocket Raccoon for the first time since the snap and the decimation of everybody who was a guardian of the galaxy except for these two. Literally, they're all that's left. How much we lost. Pepper hugging Tony. This is obviously his return to Earth. Again, shocking that they're giving this away in the trailer, but maybe things are afoot and this isn't exactly as they, they, as they seemed. We get the Avengers compound again. They spent a lot of time showing us the compound, and I think that's, that there's a reason. They're, they're building something bigger and telling a story, and I just noticed something from a set piece, which I'm going to predict here right now. So uh, there were some toys that released, and it shows, like, apparently the quote-unquote attack on the Avengers compound by Thanos. One thing is his toy specifically, the base of his toy is the Avengers A, but it's, like, specifically destroyed in a way that looks like it's prop-esque. So on the top of one of the far buildings of the Avengers facility that they have here after the decimation, there is a giant A, which leads me to believe that that over here by where the Quinjet is, is going to be the landing point for Thanos later in the trailer, which we'll get to in a second. So here's an interesting shot of Tony flying over New York. Here's my prediction. This is during the Battle of New York. 
and this is Tony Stark doing something else. This is a sleight of hand magic moment where we think it's just regular New York, but I don't think so. I think we're seeing something else right here, and we're seeing some time travel stuff. You've got a shot of uh, Clint Barton, a.k.a. Ronan. He's got the badass arm tattoo. Looks pretty pissed off. He looks like maybe his whole family was blinked out of existence in a snap of a finger. Where's the Avengers? Uh, the We're the Avengers thing. You've got Tony talking over it. You, the scene with uh, Stormbreaker going by Captain Marvel really fast. She smiles. Now here's an interesting shot. You have... Uh, Ronan or Hawkeye, he's looking over. It looks like he's directly staring at Rocket Raccoon like, when the fuck did we get a raccoon? Which, spoiler alert, you've had one for a while, but you've got Rhodey, uh, Tony, Steve, Nebula, Rocket, Scott Lang, and Black Widow all standing. Who knows what they're looking at? The only two people that aren't in this shot are Thor and Captain uh, Marvel. Maybe this is the scene where Stormbreaker goes flying by her face and they're all reacting to like, oh God, I hope they don't go at it. Uh, I just tried to get the thing to keep going and it didn't go. You trust me. Okay, so this scene is one I want to specifically break down. Tony and Steve, again, Battle of New York, back in the past. You can notice that Steve has the scale armor that he's going to be getting in this movie. He's clean shaven, so you can tell the timeline is later in the movie because his uniform is not all blue. It's been a little damaged and dirty, maybe lost a fight or two and is a little bit bruised up. Tony's obviously not in armor, and he says, you trust me, right? I do. And they shake hands. Now, I want to very specifically call this right now. On Journey into Comics 238, ahead of the Endgame movie coming out in just like, uh, what is that, 23, uh, not 23 days away, blah, 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 blah. however many days, 17 days away or whatever it is. It is 17 days, not bad. So, I think this is the last time Tony and Steve are going to see each other. And this is the linchpin of the movie. This decision is going to kill one of them and ultimately save everyone. I think it's going to kill Cap. And it's going to actually save Tony. But you're going to think that it's going to kill Tony. And that Cap is going to be the one that gets saved. Kind of that Dark Knight thing where you think they're going to save uh, Rachel. But they actually end up saving Two-Face. Because the thing was backed up, messed up because of chaos. As we recall, we'll talk about some Dark Knight stuff later too as well. On April 26th, now you get, here's a very important shot. You see the Benatar and a planet. That planet is Fucking Morag, you guys, has to be Morag. I'm telling you. And why is that important? Well, if the Benatar isn't Morag, what could the theme of this movie be? What could they be doing? And I'm trying to think about it. Like, how could they really make it work? Well, what if they fought Thanos because they went and stole the, the Infinity Stones before he had a chance at them? So you essentially get the scepter and the Tesseract from the Battle of New York. You know that the orb is on Morag, because that's where Quill found it, which means that Gamora, or, or not Gamora, Nebula, I'm sorry about that, and Rocket obviously know where it's at, because he talked about it. So they can go there and get it before he got it. 
I mean, like you could essentially just pluck through time and try to get the stones before they did a thing. You can go to fucking literally. You can go to Doctor Strange right after he gets the Eye of Agamotto, right after he defeats fucking Dormammu, and be like, "This is what's coming. Here's the plan. This is how it has to happen, and I need you to do this right now. We're gonna take the stone just for this one moment, so we can undo all this bullshit." Okay, great. Here we go. So you see again, Morag the Benatar. They hit hyperspeed, and you notice you've got Rocket Raccoon, you have Captain America, Thor, Rhodey, you've got uh, Black Widow, and you've also got Captain Marvel. No, no, uh, you don't have Ant-Man, at least he's not seen here. You don't have Hulk, he at least is not seen here. You also, from what I'm seeing, do not have... Tony Stark. So I'm interested in what is going on. Okay, here's a shot. Speaking of Tony Stark, it's him and Parker. He's reminiscing. Parker getting the Stark internship scholarship thing or whatever. Them obviously creating the quote-unquote lie to to help sell Spider-Man. You could not live with your own failure. Here we get Thanos's voice. Another shot of a planet we've seen before. I'm pretty sure this is Xandar, possibly, and. The Sanctuary 2 overtop, which could mean maybe the destruction of Xandar is seen in this movie, and maybe we do fucking get a Richard Rider story. That would be really cool. We'll see. Um, you obviously see Rhodey with new War Machine armor and Nebula side by side in the Benatar, but it's just those two. The ship is not as full. You can see the seats behind them seem pretty empty. Where did that bring you? Uh, you've got yeah, Thor and then a shot of Rocket. Rocket looks like he's about to cry. I'm thinking this is when he's learning the fate of everyone who got snapped that was a Guardian. So he's he knows Groot was lost. But at the time, he isn't. He doesn't know what happened to Drax. He doesn't know what happened to Gamora. No idea what happened to Quill or Mantis. So I feel like this is him finding something out he has like the tears in his eyes also it could looks like this could possibly take place on the sanctuary too which is where thanos uh you know stays and chills out you got cap he's on the ground he's got the scale armor that i was talking about and things are blown up looks kind of like there was an attack there's the blue from the space stone and thanos coming through and then you get a shot of Tony in some rubble. And here's the end shot, which is awesome because you've got Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor, the original trilogy or trinity of superheroes that they combined to really bring the MCU together in Avengers. Again, here together. You see the new Thanos weapon in the distance, the big sword type thing. It's in the ground. And Thanos is sitting, no helmet. Just chilling out. Looks like maybe the space stone is being used for something. Possibly I do see a blue glow that could also be something coming off his armor. And then it just says Avengers Endgame. Tickets on sale now. So I did it, guys. I got tickets to Avengers Endgame. And I want to tell you my experience because, boy, was it a doozy. We, um, I knew. I knew. I knew for a fact. I was like, look, Endgame tickets are going to be a real motherfucker to get. It's going to be a real pain in the ass in general. You're going to have to get in line early to see the movie. 
you're going to have to ensure that you know if you're if you if you're going with a group make sure your groups together cuz trying to save seats and shit's going to be hard you know uh but getting tickets was insanity so i woke up when the tickets went on sale announcement happened and everybody's like right away literally the minute that tickets go on sale 3 hour wait time cuz there's their fucking entire servers flooded Everybody's trying to secure tickets. It's the biggest movie of all time, right? So I'm not I'm not up yet when that happened. But when I finally got myself together, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to try my best to get the 6 o'clock tickets for the Thursday showing. So that's the earliest they show the film in its entirety unless you're a part of one of their fucking marathons that they're doing the 22-movie marathon into Endgame, which you get to start an hour earlier, which means you get to go home an hour before everybody else and finally get some sleep and wash your balls because you've been in a movie theater for 62 hours, um, which you probably smell bad. I'm sorry, but it's true. So uh, I'm in the queue for like an hour and 40 minutes, and it's like finally it's like, 54 seconds remaining, 26 seconds remaining, 8 seconds remaining, 1 second remaining, nothing. It literally reads on the screen, we're taking you to go order your tickets now. Nothing. I'm like, I've been sitting here for almost 2 hours and nothing has happened. And still nothing is happening and I'm going to start to twitch and fucking lose my mind. I just want to secure these tickets to know that I'm going to get to go on Thursday and to know I'm going to get the earliest opportunity because, as you guys know, it's a busy fucking crazy weekend that weekend. We've got a big show in Chicago. We're doing LafayCon hosting that weekend. We've got a lot of things planned for that. Nick Maxson and myself and the guys on the network and everybody are working together to put it together one of the biggest events. The whole team is going to try to put something together that's extra special this year with LafayCon. We cannot wait. A shout-out to Nick Maxson, too, man. He is just a fucking workhorse. I love that dude so much. He's going to be a guest this week on The Voice of Survival. I cannot wait to sit down and chit-chat with him about his life, his journey to becoming the man he is today, and all the different things he does and has um, desired to do in his journey. So anyways, back to it. Uh, finally get through. They finally refresh the page, and I get to the point where I can order the tickets, order the tickets up, get everything ready to go. I'm stoked. We did it. Six o'clock tickets. Four tickets got. So me, Sarah, Veronica, guaranteed going. We're also bringing our buddy Cody. He's the guy that I got through the MCU. He'd never seen it before. He was a little bit bummed, I think, that we didn't invite him when we went to the debut of Captain Marvel. And I was like, man, you know what? I will invite you for Endgame because it is a big deal. And it, and I got you into that. So it's only right that I'm there and you're a part of it when this is all ending. So uh, we, you know, got the ticket secured. I sent them two different ways to myself so I can really ensure that we have them and there's no fuckery that can happen. Uh, so anyways, that it was, it was, it was a crazy experience. It was like, man. Um, and then, you know, you find out things like what I'm about to talk about, which is they broke the ticket sales, uh, the record and they tripled infinity wars day one, uh, record in eight hours overcoming it i mean they sold pre-sales in droves it was insane so much so that check this out fandango officially announced that endgame had became had become the top 
selling pre-sale title in its first 24 hours. I think that did it. I think it did it with like way, like uh, it was way faster than that. It says here's here's the official from Fandango. It says Avengers Endgame sales have exceeded all expectations and surpassed Star Wars: The Force Awakens, the previous record holder, to become Fandango's top-selling title in its first 24 hours of sales. And it's accomplished that in feat in only six hours. We've never seen anything like this. It's truly a groundbreaking accomplishment, as fans simply cannot wait to see how this epic saga comes to a close. Avengers Endgame topping the following movies for pre-sales is beating The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and last year's Avengers Infinity War. Here are some numbers that they also got from a Fandango survey. According to the recent survey, 98% say the Infinity War cliffhanger is the main factor in their ticket purchase. 98% said that they, uh, the shared universe, they are fans of Marvel's shared universe storytelling. And 86% can't wait to see how Captain Marvel factors into Endgame. All great things. Speaking of Captain Marvel, her factoring into Endgame, let's talk about her for a brief second and her factoring into Endgame as Captain Marvel movie has officially broke ground crossing the one billion dollar office box office smashed hit look at this even at 12 30 at night a train of our existence coming to wreck and throw me off my game but here's the interesting thing the dark knight has officially been surpassed by captain marvel captain marvel has been in theaters just about a month and it has already crossed into the billion dollar club not just that it's made more than a movie that many fans consider the best genre film ever released. Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. In its fifth weekend in theaters, Captain Marvel has grossed 1.037 million worldwide. The Dark Knight, on the other hand, hauled in 1.004 million in its 33-week box office run. It continues tearing... Captain Marvel continues tearing up the worldwide box office as it enters the top 10 highest grossing movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As of this writing, Captain Marvel is currently a play seventh of the 21 movies. Uh, it is second highest earning solo origin movie behind Black Panther. And up next is Captain America Civil War. Will they cross it? Probably. Only got to get uh, a couple more million to get to almost a billion. So that's cool, man. Mad props to Captain Marvel and and everything they did with that movie. It was so good. Uh, The directors, though, have responded to the ticket pre-sales. First 24-hour record in just six hours is crazy. The filmmakers uh, tweeted with a screenshot of the news saying, Unbelievable. You guys are awesome. Hashtag whatever it takes. Uh, Mad love for the Russos. This is the culmination of something. And here's here's the thing, guys. You look at the pre-sale, and it just destroys everything. Blue Force Awakens out of the water, crushed Infinity War by three times at least, probably four times or more. How much money can this movie make at the box office? Some people broke it down, and they said that realistically speaking, here are a couple numbers I'm going to throw your way. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get through some more endgame news here. And then we're going to get out of this, and we're going to get on to some DC stuff before we go on home now. How about that? Some DC news to close the day, and it's not bad. It's not me bitching about DC. It's actually pretty good. So Avengers Endgame is expected to have a 200 to $250 million opening box office weekend. So in three days, almost $300 million brought in. 
it obviously was it's tracking very close to Infinity War, which earned uh, 257.6 mil on its opening weekend, making it the biggest opening for a movie in history. However, this is outselling it in pre-sales, so what could happen? Who knows? They've also said that 300 million is easily not outside of the realm of possibility. Deadline calculating that even if the movie's long length means the theater only has four to five show times a day at 70% capacity at 12,000 U.S. auditoriums, it could still easily gross. 265 million seems real and wonderful. Um, then it's hard to know ultimately what they could pull in with other unknown factors such as replays, people needing to see the movie multiple times. There are things that you can't predict with movies like this. And I think that is true for Endgame because I feel like they predicted it wasn't going to be nearly as much and then it blew all the things off the doors. So maybe this could, Endgame could open up with 800 million worldwide in its opening weekend. That would be insane. Oh, we almost made a billion dollars on three days. What's up? How's it going? Like that's historic, guys. We are living in a very special time, and I just want, if you're a fan of comic books and, and, and the movies and all the things we love and celebrate here at the Journey into Comics Network, I want you to take a second to really reflect on the fact that you get to live in a world where we get to see this humongous event culminate in this movie that people are just praising and saying amazing different things about. I mean, uh, you know, to speak really quickly on the, the runtime, actually, uh, the, the the Russos officially have said the time the movie is, and it's really good because it's 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 a it's it's when they said three hours and two minutes, I thought it was too long, but they fixed it. They made it just the perfect amount of time. It's not too short. It's not too long. I'm going to be really ready and geared to watch it. Like I said, three hours and two minutes, just too long for me. So now the movie is going to come in at three hours and fifty eight seconds long. And that's awesome. We just sped up the credits is what we did. That's exactly what he said. That just makes the movie a little bit shorter. Obviously, they've got to have some sort of after post credit scene. Ugh, I'm just, ugh, there's so many possibilities, so many things that could come, so many things that could happen. I read a possible spoiler. I, re I heard about a, a Build-A-Bear that spoiled some shit. Uh, now, here's something I have not seen, so I don't know how to react to it, but it's a little featurette that says uh, the final battle against, tra against Thanos trailer. Let's watch it here. Infinity War was nuts. Okay. They're showing recaps of Infinity War, all the fights with Thanos. This one is going to be last hour. Thanos wiped out 50%. They're showing stuff we've already seen in the snap. This is the fight of our lives. This is going to work, Steve. I know it is. Because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. Shots we've seen again. They actually saved the best stuff for this one. This is the end of the fireworks show, the grand finale. The storytelling is insane. You just don't know what to expect. I guarantee you, there is no way anybody could guess what's gonna happen. Where's the Avengers? Oh, that makes me like that. Just gave me fucking goosebumps hearing him say that. Again, we've seen all these clips before. And that's it. That's it. So uh, that just showed a lot of stuff we've already seen, but it was more like telling, just hearing some of the cast talk about it. I love hearing them say that it's like the grand finale of the fireworks. That makes me really happy. It means they're going to go all out. They're going to pull out all the stops. They're going to be doing things that are unpredictable, doing things that are unexpected, doing things to throw us, the fans, off. And I guarantee you we've seen so fucking little. Genuinely, we've seen, I mean, maybe like four minutes of footage 
total full footage, like actual footage of that four, four minutes of footage. We've probably seen like two minutes of real footage that's actually in the movie. Two minutes of three hours and 58 seconds is fucking nothing. So they are going to blow our fucking minds. April fucking 25th. Cannot get here fast enough. I'm chomping at the bit. I'm itching my face like a fucking crazy person. One, I'm not I'm not actually itching my face. That was like a metaphor. I was like, I faked it. You guys can't see because there's no fucking camera. This is not Podcastrophy, which I hosted during Fool's Week. It was a lot of fun, by the way, to host that with AP. But um, back into this. A new report has actually revealed how much time has passed between Infinity War and Endgame. And according to the GameSpot report, 22 days have passed between the events from the the films. So it's interesting to note that that's the number that they chose, 22. This is the 22nd movie in the MCU. There were 22 days that passed. Everything is done with intent and purposefully. So I think that that 22 is going to have some sort of um, ramification. There's going to be a bigger purpose for the number 22, I think, is also another thing they're going to bring to the table. Uh, So... Avengers Endgame gets an official rating. We are nearing here, but the rating, as expected, is a PG-13 for sequences of sci-fi violence and action and some language. The rating revelation was snuck into the end of a featurette for Marvel Studios released. Oh, that was the thing I just saw. I didn't even see it. So somebody writes, I hear it's rated R, and everybody writes it up, but it was never going to be that Kevin Feige says. There was zero chance. Okay. The Endgame movie is also officially complete now, according to Collider's Steven Weintraub. The Russo brothers completed their work on Endgame Friday night, completing the final few VFX shots. Now the film is 100% locked, which means Endgame is now complete in its final version, the one that will be hitting movie screens around the world in just three weeks' time. The film being locked makes it feel even more real that we will soon find out what's next for these heroes and what has been left for them after Thanos' snap. Oh, man. Some scenes are not actually going to be in the movie, as they keep telling us with these trailers. There's Some of this stuff is to throw us off our scent, man. <clears throat> They're really good about that. You know it would be fucking throw me off my scent? If Deadpool showed up somehow. It's possible. I mean, there are ways to do it and cleverly do it. Uh, not that they would have had a lot of time, not that it would make a whole lot of sense, but you never know. I mean, there's so many possibilities, man. They could have done so many different crazy, incredible things within game, and I can't wait to stop wondering what's going to happen and actually tell you guys what happened, which hopefully will be like one of the last JICs of, tw- of, of this April. Uh, like maybe the last one of this month will be, that's like 241 or 242, We'll be talking about Endgame, and I'm really fucking looking forward to the special Endgame that's going to be wrapping the epic Infinity Saga from MCU. Speaking of Deadpool, Disney execs did recently confirm at CinemaCon that Deadpool is coming in the future. Uh, They said, you'll be seeing more of Deadpool in the years ahead. Uh, And that's pretty much all they said about that. So good to know that Deadpool is in their thoughts, and they want him around. All right, folks. Well, now it's time. We're done talking about Marvel. You're like, oh, thank God. Need some Marvel fanboy, and I'm tired of hearing him talk about Marvel. I'm not a Marvel fanboy. I just am a fan of what they are doing. They do it right. They do it well. They hit me in the feels in the right way. DC doesn't do that. 
Sometimes they do that. Sometimes they try to do that. So let's talk about Shazam for a few minutes, and then we'll close with the big thing because Shazam is the is the big movie thing going on for them right now. Shazam is a hit, according to Rotten Tomatoes. It has been certified fresh. The audience reviewing it at 90% positive reviews. Uh, also, critics giving it 93% positive reviews. Uh, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes at 93%. That's pretty damn good. Makes me want to see it. I am excited And when you got fans and critics on the same side of a DC movie. That is a great success for DC. They've gotten out from under the boot of making movies that piss off critics and hit the heartstrings of the fans that are sympathetic to wanting these characters to do well but not knowing a bad movie or not being able to admit that they've seen a really, really, really bad movie. Shazam! to win the opening box office with $53 million as it pulled that money in over its opening weekend, beating out Pet Cemetery, a updated adaptation of Stephen King's 1983 horror novel. Uh, that movie took place uh, took second place with 25 million bones. Dumbo took third uh, with like 18 million. It's not doing very well. Uh, but anyways, man, good job to Shazam. It's a hit on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, no, just to answer your question, The Rock is not actually in the movie. Everyone was like, is Black Adam going to be in it? I haven't seen the movie yet but I trust some sources. I trust my people. They said that he is featured in a blink and you'll miss it moment. I'm not going to spoil that moment for you, but keep your eyes peeled because Black Adam is featured in the movie somewhere as an Easter egg. You will see him. It is The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who also came out and thanked people for the success of Shazam on opening weekend, even though he's not technically a part of the movie. How cool is that? So let's get into it, folks. We've got one last thing on the docket. If you're AP or Dick or anybody, you're probably like, oh, he's not going to cover it. There's no way. And I'm actually going to talk about it. They released the Joker trailer with Joaquin Phoenix. And um, I don't know how I feel about it. I guess there are things I like. There are things I don't like. There are questions I have. There are things that don't make sense to me, I guess. So, again, I'm going to just run the gamut. It's a two-minute and 20-fucking-five-second trailer. Does it help to have someone to talk to? Social worker talking to this guy. He just smiles, smiles again. He's walking a little crookedy, walking up the stairs. This guy's washing his mom in the bathtub. It's weird. Do you want to see your mom's boobies? He's an adult man. He's spinning this everything must go sign. These guys steal it from him. They smash it over his face. He's all left beaten and broken. He's starting to like show some anger and he says he's getting crazier out there. Dancing with his mom. He's eating dinner with that social worker lady or whoever. I think that's Zaza Beats. Arkham State Hospital, he's visiting there. There's a guy who's like just like going crazy on a gurney. Looking at a dude through a fucking grate. That laugh is really good. Joaquin Phoenix's laugh got me. The weird smile thing, like what's so funny? 
Again, they're beating him up, and this is one of my quarrels with the movie. I don't want the Joker to become the Joker because he was bullied into becoming crazy. I think that's shitty. Uh, he's getting thrown down some stairs. And he's got the red nose on, but no thing. And he's, I mean, they're just, the imagery is really cool. And, you know, you just... It, it definitely has the Batman feel. It definitely has kind of a Joker feel. Looks like you see him dyeing his hair green for the first time. Then he's coming down the hallway with... Kind of a Joker-like... Uh, looking fucking attire, but... Nah. Not 100% on this. Okay, so it says it's coming out in October. I think that this movie is interesting. I think that it could hold the potential to be something really genuinely spectacular. The issue I'm having with it is while it is cool and it has a lot of things I'm into and I like the idea of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker is really good to me. I think he plays a great crazy and he did it. He, I mean, it really shows him in the laugh and everything. Like he was nailing a lot of the performance parts the story seems a little bit weak. I don't know if they're going to be able to do this story believable enough with a guy named Arthur. It just doesn't... Listen, if you want a really great story of the Joker's origin, watch Gotham. Because they did it right. They did it in such a way that I'm just like mad props to them over and over and over again. I just want to like bow to them over you. Like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy because we're not. Gotham did a fucking amazing job. So... Uh, I will say this. I'm going to give the Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips Joker movie a chance. I will be watching it. A second train of our existence before the end of the show. Are you shitting me? World must be coming to an end. Uh, damn. Okay, so listen. Like I said, I'm going to give this movie a chance when it comes to theaters in October. I do not expect, though, to ultimately be wooed. They're going to have to really get me and really work it really give me what I like in the Joker for me to be all in with this uh, directive. Now, hopefully this week sometime, folks, I can get out and see Shazam. That way I'll be able to cover it for you fine folks right here on Journey into Comics podcast. I do want to see the film. I'm really interested in it. I really, uh, like I said, I really, 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 really want to see it. Uh, it's just a matter of timing and we've got a lot going on. So hopefully we will have that opportunity, but I think that is about to do it. So before we get out of here today, folks, as always, you can check out the Journey Into Comics podcast at journeyintocomics.com. That's right here on the Journey Into Comics network. You can get all the different shows on our network. You guys know them. You love them. It's Journey Into Comics podcast, Poor 360, Journey Into Wrestling, Foodies Watching Movies, Adulting, Ain't Easy, Podcastrophy, Kids for Sale, Crucial Tunes, Voice of Survival Podcast, Gallifradio, Brews with Dudes, and Dungeons with Dudes with new surprises debuting sometime very soon, we hope. So, folks, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics. It's JIC 238, burning the midnight oil again. I don't know. That's probably not what I'm going to call it, but I don't know what I'm going to call this one. It's a lot of endgame news and shit like that. And, you know... The joke's on us for 
me not knowing what to call it, I guess. Anyways, folks, this has been Journey into Comics 238. I've been your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's episode. As always, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys.